Hey everyone, welcome to the Self Agency Advocate Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda, and this is a space where we explore, discover, and share tools, techniques, and wisdom to help you build and maintain a sense of agency. Perfect. So there we go. All right. Welcome, everyone. Amanda here from the Self Agency Advocate, and I am so excited for today's episode. First, because it's the first one I've been able to do over video, and I am so excited to see your face. So that's really, really exciting for me that this has finally happened and that it gets to be you because I met Marika, oh, probably three-ish years ago now, somewhere in there. And I met you through Casey, who is an absolute soul sister of both of ours. And when Casey knows someone and has nothing but good things to say, you know that person is special. And then when I met you, I was like, oh yeah, this makes sense. I get it. Because you're just kind of this little unicorn of love and light. Like that is literally the only way I know how to describe you. I've never met somebody so optimistic and happy and just contagious in the way that you love and live. So it's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for joining me, Marika. Thank you so much, Amanda, for having me. I'm really, really excited to have this conversation with you because I know that we understand each other, we're on the same page, and I'm really looking forward to, to dive into all those conscious topics and, yeah. and really see where we are going. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I would love to start with a little bit of a summary of your story. Like, who are you? How did you get here? Where are you now? And kind of everything in between so that myself and the listeners can get a little bit of a little bit more of who you are and what this all looks like for you. Yes, sure. So I am French. I was born in the southwest of France. And then I studied TV, television production. Um, And then I started to work in that industry in Paris for a few years. So I lived six years in Paris. But then even if I was happy, I never managed to feel fully fulfilled in Paris. And during that time, I spent one summer in London in the UK, and I absolutely had a blast. So a year after that, when I came back in Paris and I I went back to work in television production, I thought, okay, I need to make a change. I cannot keep living like that. It's, I need to do something different. And my little voice was really telling me to go to London. So... I took my courage, I moved to London, and I really never looked back. Um, I spent three years over there, and I really made most of my dreams come true, from becoming a dance teacher, from doing a catwalk in front of thousands of people. We were my dream of being a little girl when I was five years <laughs> old. So I really achieved very random dreams and I had a blast. And I managed to go back to work in television production in really one of the best um, production company um, of in the world, in my opinion. So I felt very blessed. And, mm. and yeah, I was just so happy and enjoy, enjoying this amazing life. But Then I sat down one day on my sofa and I thought, am I truly fulfilled? And I thought, yes, I'm really enjoying my life, but it feels that still something is missing. And by keeping Mm -hmm. looking for that thing, I understand that I miss that connection with people. When actually I sit down with people, we talk about life and then they tell me, well, Marika, you know what? Thanks to our conversation, I feel better. And I thought, this is actually what I crave for. Like, deep conversation about your opinions your feelings your background what you experience as a human being mm-hmm. so i discovered life coaching i did my uh, coaching school um on the side while i was still um still working in television production mm-hmm. and everything went very fast and when i finished my school i got my diploma and i felt the need to go to new zealand 
it kept coming back to me. Lots of different signs. A lot of people I knew went there and I thought, mm -hmm. I need to go to New Zealand. And then I asked myself, why? What am I looking for? And that was a deep connection with Mother Earth. So I had to take one of these big decisions of my life and really quit this amazing life that I created for myself mm. in London to be like, okay, now that's a new chapter. I'm going to New Zealand. I don't know if I will stay a week, three weeks, three months, but we'll mm. see. Mm. <laughs> so I ended up in New Zealand for a year and I had one of the best year of my life. I was totally in flow. I met amazing, incredible people, you included. And I thought, oh my God, I'm, I'm in flow. And, and while I was experiencing a lot of new things for me, reconnecting with Mother Earth, and because I didn't know anyone over there, I felt that I could become whoever I wanted to become. So mm. that really allowed me to, to explore this freedom, explore who I was and who I really wanted to be. And then in all this journey of becoming a life coach, I've also trained um, as a Reiki master in New Zealand. And I've also started to group my first um, group meditation as a meditation leader in New Zealand and really getting more and more involved in the wellness community. And I really, really discovered that that was my true passion. And somewhere mm. along those lines in New Zealand, I met this guy who was American and we just ended up <laughs> falling in love. And six months after that, he, we were in the United States on the East Coast. Fast forward, we got married and then we moved to California where I am right now, <laughs> where we're having this conversation. And I've managed again to recreate in a different way, but an amazing life here, which really fulfills me because also something which is really important for me is the connection with the divine, which goes from meditating or when I just take my tarot card or just when I have deep conversation like we're having right now is just having these things and seeing all those synchronicities where I keep having those in my life makes me feel connected and that helps me to to nourish my soul and really feel fulfilled and, and makes me feel I have a guidance and all is well and all is okay and, and having faith. Mm, yeah. I love that. Oh, I didn't know you were in TV. So that's really cool. Cause that's kind of like one end of the spectrum. And then you're like, okay, let me go way over here now. That's incredible. So I'm curious to know what it looks like for you in the in-between moments, because similar to you, I went from something more corporate, something more like big girl job with air quotes. And then I traveled and I traveled in between, but when I went on my really big trip, kind of that similar throw everything to the wind, like I sold everything and I was like, I need something more. I need something different. I need to explore and experience. And within all of that, the in-between moments for me have always been some of the most transformational because that's where I found that I was the most challenged because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what was going to be next or around the corner. I had no idea if it was going to work. And I was just kind of like, well, here we go. And then I see all of the things fit together. And there's so many beautiful, beautiful moments where I'm like, oh, thank God I made that decision because it got me here. But I'm curious to know if you ever had a similar experience in the in-between, because I think a lot of the times people hear these stories and they're like, oh, everything was just so easy for you. Everything was just so rosy and beautiful. I could never do that. But for me, not the case. The in-between was hard heartbreaking, excruciating, roller coaster. I lost myself, found myself, and everything in between. Did you ever have a similar experience in those in-between moments? Or are you one of those people where literally everything is rosy? <laughs> like, which one? I, I would like to say I wish, but actually no, because I really 
really enjoy looking back at my experience and what I've actually learned from them. And mm. I totally resonate with what you've described and your own experience. And I definitely had a few of those moments as well. Um, yeah. The one, I think the biggest one, um, which was really, really tough is when I moved to the East Coast of the US because I was there with, at the moment, uh, my boyfriend, husband-to-be, and we got married, which we both wanted, and that was really, at that time, the only really happy moment um, in my life, because between the moments where I arrived in the United States uh, on the East Coast and when I was able to move again in another state to another country it took maybe a bit less than a year but definitely a few months mm. and I was totally in the unknown and I applied for my green cards but I I felt that I had no clue to find out if I will get it or not so until I got the answer, I always felt this um, sword, maybe a French expression, like a sword above my head, like, am I going to get it or not? Because if I don't get it, it means that I don't get to see to stay with the man I love. So mm -hmm. if we cannot stay together in that country, what are we going to do? And obviously, now when I look back and with everything I've learned, I know that it's fine. And if that was not this country, we would have just find another country to live together. But... At the time, I was really like the fear. I had so many fear and so many un uncertainty that that was very, very tough to deal with. And because of my specific in-between status, I was legally okay to be in the States, but I could not work, I could not drive, I could not move in another state. So where we ended up, my husband was working, but... I could not, I had a hard time connecting with people. And even if when I tried as much as I could, um, I didn't, I didn't meet like-minded people where we were living at the time, which I knew was temporary. But for me, I felt a big sense of isolation and I totally lost myself like a big existential um, identity crisis. And I thought, oh my God, who am I? Who am I? Who am I for real? Like, I actually don't know. What about all my values? Maybe all my values are nonsense, like kindness and love. Maybe in real, I'm not a kind person. Like, who knows? And I started to go on this road of questioning everything about myself. And that was, that was really painful. And for a lot of days, I cried. But I really, during that process, did my best to also step back and, and really thought, well, Marika, what you're going through right now, it's painful, but you know that this is for the best and you are going to grow so much out of it. You will, you will be okay. So mm -hmm. I, I really did my best to keep having this mindset of, okay, I'm going through something, but I'm going to be fine. And through really questioning everything I was really much into my mental not in my body or my heart anymore so the only thing that I trusted at that time was my body so I thought okay Marika you know when something happens you feel something in your body and when you feel something that gives you an information about yourself so let's try to really connect with your body and feel your emotions in different situations mm -hmm. and that may guide you to understand what you are feeling and who you are, what makes you angry or what other things you really love. And by doing that, I really explored everything. For example, I tried not to smile in the street to see how I was feeling when I was crossing paths with someone. And because I was a very, very tiny town, so when I stopped smiling at people, I thought, oh my God, I don't feel good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I really don't feel good. I feel that I want to smile at people. And then when I started again to smile at people, I thought, oh my God, I feel so much better. And this is this kind of information who told me that, okay, maybe one of my values may still be kindness. It's something that I value just sharing a smile with someone. So mm -hmm. one of my 
biggest lesson in that time was really to learn to trust my body and to understand that sometimes we are so much in our mental and we intellectualize so much everything that we can really lose ourselves. So mm -hmm. that was one of those transition. And from now, when I was able, when I got my green card and I was able to move in another state, we managed my husband apply in different states to work at the mountain in Colorado, Oregon, and few others in California. And when you got California, I was okay, whatever, as long as we move from where we are, I'll be happy. So we just <laughs> drove. I didn't have any job planned or anything, but mm -hmm. I was so happy to leave. And for me, that was really the opportunity to create a new chapter. So I was, okay, let's mm -hmm. just do this. Um, and from there, um, you look at me now, I'm just very, very happy in my life. And I'm so stoked. Everything I have, everything I am, and I keep working on. And, and yeah, when I look back at this experience, I'm grateful that I had it because it taught me so much. Yeah, I really, I really value that you took that time to rediscover yourself because it's, it can be so common to say, okay, it's this experience. That's what is to blame in all of this. I don't have a part in it. It's this experience that's making me this way. But to hear that moment of, okay, something's wrong. And I need to come back and figure out what's actually going on in here. What are my values? Who am I? What do I like? It's like that idea of kind of like dating yourself again and being like, do I like vanilla ice cream or chocolate ice cream? Well, I got to try both to find out. So great. <laughs> and it's doing those things to actually discover who you are because we, we go through this life in seasons and we're fluid and dynamic and because you had certain values in Paris, doesn't mean you're gonna have the same values in the US compared to New Zealand, compared to London. Because you're a different age, you're around different people, different politics, different connections with people. It's a totally different context. So it's really cool to hear you kind of have that moment of awareness and say, okay, what is my role in all of this? Where do I stand in it all? And how am I going to choose to go forward? Because I think there's so much potential to stay in those darker places and think, okay, well, this is who I am and this is how I'm acting in this scenario. So that just is. And I have to figure out how to be this person in this situation. But we always have choice. We can always change the way we respond to something or react to something and how we feel about it. So when you talk about feeling it in your body and having that experience of, okay, I'm going to do a little social experiment and see how I feel when I smile compared to when I don't smile. What do you feel in your body? How would you describe that? Because what I found is some people are very, very in their physical body and they can feel their intuition. They can feel that felt sense of a yes compared to a no. But with people who experience chronic stress or maybe even trauma, being in their physical body isn't a safe place to be. And that's perfectly okay. It's a coping mechanism. It's, it's very normal. So they might not have the capacity to feel into their body or to know what it's like to feel a yes or to feel a no. So I'm curious to hear your take on it, what you feel in your body, and then maybe I'll share what I experience and how I feel into my body so that maybe somebody listening can be like, oh, I've experienced that before and maybe I can explore it a little bit further or they might still not understand it and that's perfectly okay. But what do you experience? What is that for you? I absolutely love that question. Um, I'm on that, thank you so much for asking. Mm. Um, and I know that I can also be different for different people. Um, my experience when I feel, when I was smiling, I feel my heart space opening. So it, it's hard to describe, but I, I felt something in around my chest going on. And then my, the whole energy of my body felt much lighter. 
I, if I didn't smile, I felt heavy. My body felt heavy. Whereas I smiled and I was, oh my God, I feel just uplifted. Like as if my whole mood suddenly shifted. But it, for me, it happens a lot in my house. And it's, it's really, it's really like a nice sensation and it's very light. Um, I would describe it like that in, in my heart space. Um, sometimes I had some experiences as well where I could feel my heart, but that was like a very, very intense energy and I was not pleasant. So mm. I'm able to, I think, make the distinction and when it's something which uplifts me, it's just very light and pleasant in my, in my chest. So mm. that's, um, that's for the, for the heart, for when something feels nice to me. Then I know I'm very aware then when I get stressed, I tend to feel my stress in my lower belly, under my, uh, my belly button. Mm -hmm. And I know, for example, we talked about it with my sister. When my sister is stressed, she feels it in the stomach. But for me, it's really in the, in the lower belly. And it's like the energy is moving like really moving in my, in my lower belly. And it's not very pleasant, but I've noticed that when I feel that emotion in my lower belly, this is stress, which actually serves me because it's usually when I'm about to do things which I really care for. Mm -hmm. So for example, I've, um, I've just finished my yoga teacher training last year and when I went to teach my first yoga class ever I was so stressed out I was oh my god because I wanted so much to really deliver an amazing experience for the students I put so much pressure on myself that I felt this stress in my lower belly and when I felt it I thought oh, well, okay, I'm acknowledging I am feeling that. It means that I'm stressed, but I, that I am nervous, but it's because it's something that I care about. So it's okay. It's mm. not going, it's not making me sick. Versus when I was a teenager, um, so my parents were both in the army and they moved, we moved as a family in a tropical island just near Mauritius, so on the east coast of Africa. And when we moved there, the, even if that's a French island, the culture was so different, everything. I was feeling so anxious, but something, an energy which was not serving me at all. Mm. And at that time, that was in my stomach. And straight away, that was making me throw up. Like every single time I was um, going to a new school at the time or going on a camp with children, I didn't, didn't know of my age. Everything new, I was throwing up every time. Mm. And I could feel that was coming straight from my stomach. So I was able, and I'm still able to recognize those um, different emotions. And having said that, for people who are, listening to us i want to also acknowledge that we can also heal from the things and the fact that i was so anxious that i was throwing up i managed to heal from that for yeah a long time so it really lasted i think um three years for three mm -hmm. years i had this reaction but by working on myself yeah. uh, with affirmations and acknowledging what was happening and reassuring myself being kind to myself telling myself marika it's okay it's a new environment you are safe and really repeating things which were helpful for me i really managed to overcome that mm -hmm. so i'm really thankful now that i've got this awareness to really be able to identify those different parts of my body and i would say that they are the emotions which are the strongest within me that I can acknowledge and recognize uh, the easiest. Yeah. Oh, there's so much in that. <laughs> I love that. I, yeah, I have so many similar thoughts and I'm really, really glad that you took it to that space of what it's like to work with the thoughts that we associate with it because that was a really big game changer for me as well. Like 
I think about growing up and I was such an anxious little one. (laughs) My parents couldn't even tell me that we were going on holiday because I would get so worked up and so anxious about it that I'd be like, where are we going? How long are we going for? What toys do I need to bring? What clothes do I need to pack? And I would ask a million questions and I would work myself up so much that I would end up getting sick and be sick the whole time we were on holidays. So my parents got to the point where they're like, don't tell her. We'll just pack everything for her and take her on the holiday. And then I'd be fine because I'd be like, well, I don't need to worry about anything because I'm here. So this has been with me since day one. And I think about that and I think I can feel it in my belly. I can feel that nodding and that like, oh, like what's coming, that uncertainty. I can feel my heart start to race. I'll get kind of like clammy palms like the sweating will start to happen and the heartbeat and all the things that we associate with stress or with those anxious moments and I can feel it in my body and over time I could start to notice when I felt a certain way about being anxious or about being nervous or stressed about something and I could notice when I felt excited or the happy nervous that kind of like pulls you towards something. But what I never really realized was it's the exact same physiological response in our body, no matter what's occurring. So anytime we have that physiological response in our body, it doesn't matter if it's a stressful thing, a happy thing, it's the story we associate with it. So when we feel the heartbeat and we feel the clammy palms or the nodding of the stomach, it always comes back to the story that we associate with it. So exactly like you were saying about that yoga class, you could feel your body and say, okay, this means that I care. This means that I really want to show up powerfully for this class. Whereas somebody else might have felt the exact same thing, but said, oh, I shouldn't do this because I'm not ready. They might have given it a completely different story. And I think that's where the power of our thoughts is just so fascinating and incredible because I think about moments in my past where I would have this physical response to something and I would tell a story that maybe was more of a negative story of I'm not ready. I'm who am I to give this speech? Who am I to do this thing? Like, Obviously, I wouldn't be so nervous if I was prepared and I would have that kind of mindset going. And then the more work that I did on myself and the more that I got into these things, I was like, oh, no, that's not it. It's because you care and it's because your body is priming you to be alert, to be present, to show up powerfully in that moment, to rush all of the blood to your brain so that you remember these things and you can speak to what you know. There's all these things that your body is actually doing to help you. And now I can reframe the story that I tell about it. So now if I'm going to do like a public speaking event, exact same physiological response. I know that I get hot and sweaty. I know that my heart starts to race. I know that I'm going to get knots in my stomach, but I also know that I can pause and say, girl, you've got this. Blood is pumping to your brain so that you can remember these things and speak to them. Yes, you're hot and sweaty, but it'll be fine. It'll be over in 10 minutes. It's okay. And I can actually have that different conversation with myself. And I notice that it calms me down so much quicker because my body and my kind of ego know that I'm there for them. And they know like, okay, She's acknowledged that we're nervous, but it's the good kind of nervous. And then it's like I'm on my own team again, rather than working against those physical sensations, because they can, we can look at them in a negative light. Like I used to think, I used to be so embarrassed because I do, I get so hot and I'm like the sweatiest human ever. And I used to get so embarrassed by it. I'm like, well, I can't go on stage and give this speech if I'm all sweaty. Like, and then I would get more nervous and more hot and sweaty. And it was like this vicious cycle. So now when I notice it's starting, I can say, okay, I'm acknowledging that this is coming up for me and I'm getting 
amped up and excited about this thing, but I need to take five deep breaths. I need to slow down and I need to trust that I've got this. Thank you body for preparing me, but like stop sweating because we can do that. <laughs> so it's like, there's such a shift and a change around how we talk about it and how we talk to ourselves. Was that something that you discovered in coaching or was that something that you knew inherently for yourself? Like where did that mindset shift or different way of looking at your physical sensations? When did that happen for you? I think it has been an ongoing journey since I was since I was actually 13, um, because what happened in my childhood, I was very jealous of my big sister because in my mind, my mom um, took my sister as her favorite daughter, which of course uh, now looking back was my story, what mm. I was telling myself. And so because I was very jealous, I was always um, always trying to disturb my sister or copy her because unconsciously she was actually my model. So I wanted, of course, I wanted to do everything she was doing. Um, so I felt very, I felt very powerless, I would say. And I got in such big stage of rage that by maybe 10 years old, I was writing in my diary, like, I'm going to kill my sister and then mom and then myself. Like, that was really going, like, very far. And one day, feeling in that state, I just analyzed the situation and I thought, why, why mom prefers my sister in my mind? Mm -hmm. And then I thought, well, because she's always doing... She's always so nice. She's always so kind to people. So maybe if I try to reproduce that, if I try to be nice and kind, maybe that will change the reaction of men towards me. So let's try. <laughs> this is really literally what happened. I tried to be kind and generous like my sister was. And I noticed an overall different reaction from people. People became much more nicer towards me and that was really the first time I became aware that I could change my behavior and my thoughts and feel better because as soon as I created that shift for myself mm -hmm. I at first that was hard because that was a new path for me so I felt a lot of resistance but after a little while it just became very natural and I think deeply this is how I got this um, this big value of kindness within me it feels so anchored into my DNA right now but deep down I think it comes from a, a shift that I was able to make when I was a child slash early teenager wow I cannot ever imagine you being an angry person to start <laughs> you saying that I'm like wait what that huh how I just don't see it but that's the coolest part about how changeable we are that's like that right there is the proof that we're not these static beings that for so long we thought we were like neuroscience is so young still like that body of work and that body of research 30, 35 years, like it's still, we're just scratching the surface. And before that we thought, well, after the age of about seven in developmental years, you are who you are, best of luck. Hope, hope you did well up till that point because can't teach an old dog new tricks. But what we're seeing now is quite literally the opposite. We are so changeable and so malleable that if you do wake up one day and say, okay, this is not okay. I can't keep treating people the way I'm treating them, or I can't keep eating six donuts a day or drinking seven cups of coffee. Like these things are not beneficial and I have to change them. You, you can, you can do that. It's not going to mm -hmm. be comfortable and it might not be easy, but it takes about 21 days to break and reform a habit. So 
if you've got three weeks, you can do it. And I think that's so cool to know that you were in that headspace at 13 being like, okay, how do I actually change, shift and remold myself to be the human I want to be? Because I think that's the practice that a lot of us are in is each day waking up and saying, who am I showing up as today? Who am I showing up as for myself? for my partner, for my family, my friends, my coworkers, who do I want to be today? And it's, it's fascinating to see those moments where I catch myself acting in a certain way or saying something and I'm like, oh, this is not a cute look. Like, what's happening right now? And sometimes, I'll be honest, I can't catch myself and I just keep going. And I watch it, I'm like, you are being a little bit of a brat. But okay, we're, we're going with that today. And then there's other times where I can see it and I'm like, oh, Amanda, rain it, rain it in, come back. And I can flip it. So it's not to say that every day is going to be perfect. And it's not to say that every day we're going to be the best, best version of ourselves but every day we can try and every day we can work towards continuously building that practice. And I think it's really valuable to hear that it's a never ending process. Like that started at 13, it's still ongoing. It's still a daily thing where each day it's, okay, I did that, maybe I'm not so proud of it, but tomorrow's a new day or next minute is a new minute and I can actually shift it right here and now. I had one of those moments like three days ago, <laughs> it was like so recent, where I was in this place with my partner and oh, I was being a brat to say the least. Like there is no other way to describe it. It wasn't a good look. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. And I was just putting everything on him. I was like, you don't know how to support me. You don't know how to show up for me. This isn't what I need. I'm such an anxious person already. And I need you to understand that. And I was just like, blah, 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 saying all these things. And he's sitting there like, okay, yeah. And he's just holding space for me. He's just letting it happen. And I'm just relentless. Like I would not back down. And he wasn't putting up a fight. He's like, yeah, I'm hearing you. I hear that you're unsupported. What do you need me to do? You should know what to do. And I, and I was like, I was on a tear, everyone. I was on a tear. And then we get home and I was like, you know what? I just need some space. I just need to take a minute. Leave me alone, basically. And so I like hold up in my room and I had this book that a friend had just given me because she knew kind of the headspace that I was in. And she's like, maybe just like put this by your bedside table. So I'm in my room and I pick up this book and it's called Attached. And for anyone who is interested in attachment theory or how we interact and relate to others in intimate relationships or even family dynamics or anything like that, this book literally changed my life. So I'm sitting there, I open this book and I'm like, this is going to be ridiculous. I don't really want to read it. And I start reading it and I like get two pages in and I was like, oh dear God, I have been horrendous. And what it goes in to describe is our different attachment styles. So we have an anxious attachment, avoidant attachment, or a secure attachment. And this whole time I've been making out my partner to be, I'm like, oh, he's got to be avoidant because he can't communicate this and that. But like, obviously I'm the secure attachment, obviously. And I'm reading this book and I'm like, nope, that is not the case. I'm anxious avoidant, erring on more of the avoidant side. And I'm reading all of these things and it's just laying me out. Like it is like point by point, exactly what I've been doing and exactly how I've been showing up in this relationship. And then I get to the part where it describes a secure attachment Yep, obviously that's my partner. Great. <laughs> I'm reading this. Oh, 
yep, that's what we've just been living. So I digest it and I sit with it. And I was like, that's, this is exactly it. It's kind of like what you were saying with your mom. I was like, well, I'm expecting him to want to support me and love me and show up for me, but I am not being the best me in this relationship right now. I'm pushing him away. I'm acting in that anxious way and that avoidant way. And all of my shit is just coming up right now. Like it's just here on display. And so I read through this and I'm like, he is that secure attachment for me. Like he is everything that I have created and wanted and called in. And he's here standing in front of me, holding this space in the most beautiful way. And I'm like, oh, you, you make me so mad. So then after I'd kind of digest it for a little bit, I call him in and I was like, can we talk for a second? And he's like, oh, like talk or are you like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Let's just, so I explain everything to me, to him. And he's like, he's just got that look in his eye where he's like laughing on the inside, but not laughing because he knows I'll lose it again. <laughs> so how are you feeling? And I was like, I'm just, I am so sorry. I, like, thank you for continuing to show up as this strong support in my life and letting all of my crazy show and just holding space for it. And it was just this flip of a switch, Marika. Like it was one of these moments where the universe put that book on my bedside table for a reason. Cause she was like, girl, you got to figure this out. And it was just this whirlwind of the whole day wrapped up and brought together. And then we had that moment. And since that moment, quite literally our entire relationship has shifted not because the relationship itself has changed but because i have that awareness and i have a different way of seeing and relating to myself now and seeing and relating to him and actually knowing what that looks like now has let me show up vulnerably and openly and own the parts of me that i'm still working on and still in the midst of, but it's also given me a whole new appreciation for who he is and how he shows up in this relationship. So this was like 24 hours worth of a slap in the face, figure it out, turn this around, appreciate this human being and go forth. Wow. That's a long-winded way of me saying, I hear you, I <laughs> get it, and I hope that it showcases for people how much of a process this is and how much of a practice it is because I'm interested to hear how you've seen any of this show up in your own relationship because you met your partner and it was like a whirlwind relationship where you, it was just like fireworks and magic and incredible. And then all of a sudden you're married. And I was like, well, how is this happening? <laughs> so has your relationship been rainbows and butterflies like us outsiders believe it to be? Or have you noticed growing pains and shifts and struggles along the way? What is that like for you? I would say a mixture of both, which means that the parts where we are growing and working on um, on our relationships, for me, it's part of the butterfly because I found the process so beautiful in itself that it feels, even that feels magical to me. Um, one, the most current example, I would say. So when, before I met him, I was not drinking or smoking and I... I tended to be very against drinking and I, I never really drank in all my life. I never, I never been hangover. I never throw up because I, I drank too much or the kind of normal thing that teenagers might do. So for me, I had these values like drinking, like if you drink like just one one glass of alcohol per day, or you know, alcohol, alcoholic, this is so bad. I really had very strong opinion on it. 
Mm -hmm. Then I met my husband, which was, he was just getting out of his party time life because he was 24 and I was 27, I believe. So he just still had this mindset of partying. Naturally, you drink a lot. And I thought, oh my God, he drinks a lot. Like, wow. So during the first week we were together, I wanted to talk to him because that really bothered me. And I told him, look, I need to talk to you. I have a challenge and I don't know what to do with it. So here is my view and my opinion about drinking. And you drink a lot. So I know that I cannot ask you to change. That's why I had this challenge within myself and I don't know how to deal with it. So mm. at that time, really, that was the first week we were together. I really expected him to say, well, we're just going to break up. You know, I don't want, I don't want to be with a girl who is controlling, telling me what to do or whatever. But actually, he told me, how would you feel if I was drinking less? And I didn't expect that. And I thought, oh, well, if you are meeting to meet me halfway through the bridge, then I, I'm happy, you know, to make an effort as well and to meet you halfway through the bridge. Right. So, okay, let's, let's explore that together. So we went on this journey and since we've been together, the way he drinks has always been a kind of challenge for me. Mm -hmm. But through all the conversations we had, what I got out of it, is that now I really trust him. He's also on his path towards growth, self-development, and becoming healthier every time as much as he can. So I know that long-term, he wants to keep drinking less and less. And recently, maybe a couple of weeks ago, slightly more, during one night, he had few glasses of alcohol, like maybe two beers and then one glass of wine and then another one. And when he went to, to take the bottle of wine in his hand, he was in the kitchen just over the counter. I literally run, I run in the kitchen. I put my hand on top of his hand and I say very kindly, oh, baby before you do anything like i want to ask you are you sure that this is what you want to do right now do you really want to have another glass of wine after you know everything you just drank and as soon as i i, I said these words i caught myself and i thought oh marika what are you doing <laughs> and he looked at me and he said well yes you know tonight is kind of a special night i just felt like drinking so yeah i'm fine and he kept pouring his other glass of wine. And then we sat down to watch one of our shows on TV. And after five minutes, I felt so bad. I turned towards him and I told him, okay, baby, I need to apologize because I feel so terrible about my behavior, what I just did. So I really want to let you know that I totally trust you. I know you're, you're on your path and you drink the quantity you have, you, you won't, that's fine. So I want you to really be aware that I'm sorry about my behavior and th that situation showed about myself that I'm trying to control things and I need to learn to let go of things. Mm. So this is about me. This is my reaction was not about you. So I'm really sorry about that. And because he's the best husband for me ever, he just looked at me very kindly and said, well, it's fine. I know you're just looking, looking after me or looking, looking for me. I remember in English. You're, you're looking up for me. I know you're looking up for me. And my heart just melted. I was, oh my God, he, he gets me. Like he, he understands that that was not to make him feel uncomfortable or point my finger at him saying, oh my God, what you're doing is bad. So I thought, oh my God, I love this man so much. So for sure, we, I believe we all have our different challenges in our relationship. And for me, the what is so beautiful in that process is when the two individuals are able to see what's going on and to acknowledge that this is okay like okay am i the way i reacted towards you or the words i i told i told you i'm sorry for that that was not uh that was not right but please know that i know that this is a work 
I need to do on myself and I'm, I'm still doing that work. So please bear with me while I'm doing my updates and while I, I am being a work in progress and the same with the other person. So mm-hmm. I find this process so beautiful because when you have this awareness and this uh, willingness to both become the best version of yourselves, you can really hold space for each other. And no matter what you're going through, you, you understand that it is that to, to be angry and, and, and kind of pour his anger towards me. If I take it like this, I can switch my awareness and be like, okay, Marika, you know, he's not against, he's not angry against you, but he's going through something right now. So I need to be here to support him and have him what I can do to do that. And, and also the beauty of it is finding the balance between also having your boundaries because you also don't want your partner to start to insult you or if we go to the extreme level to use physical violence. So it's finding the right boundary where you can hold space for your partner and be present and don't take things personally, but also hold your boundaries when you feel that this is necessary. Mm-hmm. Boundaries are crucial, crucial. And I think it speaks a lot to how important it is to really know yourself and know your values and what's right and true for you is so important to know because it doesn't have to be right and true for the other person because no two people are going to ever think the exact same. But for you to know, okay, this is a very fundamental value of mine and I hold it near and dear to my heart. So are we able to meet halfway or have a little bit of compromise and give and take? Or is this a non-negotiable on your side and we actually have to go separate ways? Because if it's two non-negotiables, there's no sacrifice. There's no give and take or meeting halfway. So it's really cool that you could have that effective communication and get into it and be open and vulnerable and honest. And I think that's, that's the work for me in relationships is that effective communication and coming from a space of knowing myself and knowing what's important, what my values are. So I hear a lot in that that I can take with me to be like, right, there it is. So thank you for sharing that. I love it. I have one more question for you. I have a million questions for you <laughs> all day long. I, I love it. And I'm so glad we got to do this. But my one more question is always my favorite because it gives me a little bit of insight into people's values and what's important and what lights you up so take a moment and kind of contemplate the world as we know it right now it can be locally it can be globally whatever that looks like but when you think about it what is the biggest change you would want to make or the biggest norm that you would want to disrupt so what's that big shift that you want to see in the world today and why so there's so many things to say <laughs> about that, but I'll try to be brief. Um, I would say the first step for me will be to live in a world where every single being can feel safe, especially I'm thinking right now about women when we go out at night by ourselves we tend most of us tend not to feel safe Mm. if we check men um they can if they go out at night by themselves they can also be scared to get attacked but as a woman we also have the fear of getting raped unfortunately which Mm -hmm. still is a reality nowadays so safety is really really a deep um value that i would love to see in the world Mm. And for me, that will be just part of the process of making each human being really shining their light bright. Because I believe that when we do that, all of us together, we create a better world. And by a better world, I mean a world where we feel the freedom to do anything we want, to be anything we want, but with 
the respect, really a massive respect towards each other and towards nature. And for that to happen, going back to safety, for me, it goes a lot by the education and school. So I would love to see the, our school systems to really, really evolve in a way where children can really experience and learn through their experience so let's say they want to go and explore a forest and they might actually learn about the, the trees by actually being in the forest instead of sitting in a classroom and just looking at pictures in their textbook of uh, leaves or trees for example mm. so i would really love to see a big change um, in this school system and also see a lot more of Mm, I would say maybe um, lessons about awareness, managing our emotions. Um, yeah. So if, if I, I'm thinking right now also be about cooking and gardening, but if I stay first on self-awareness and managing our emotions, I think that those are really, um, really vital skills to learn as children to develop as a human being in a way which will serve us all at the end. Um, I feel it's so important for children to understand how emotions work. So for me, that's a big piece and that goes as well through um, maybe bringing me more meditation um, to children or that kind of tool. So I truly believe in that. And also when I'm saying cooking or gardening, because when we are in adult, in the adult stage for me i felt when that was my case i was not equipped at all because i never took time to look how to cook for my mom or other reasons and i feel mm. that cooking when we cook we actually nurture and nourish our body and when we know if we know i don't know how to garden but the idea of it for me is amazing because you can really grow your own food and you take even more pleasure to then eat that food and with the cons the society of consumption that we live in today for me has kind of erased all the um, the qualities of growing your own food for example we are so used to just go to the supermarket and and buy whatever is in the aisle but when you grow your own food you have a deep sense of appreciation of the work of the time that it took for those vegetables to grow, for example. Mm. So I think that there are some skills like this, which will be really, um, really vital to learn at school as well, to create a society where we have a better understanding of the earth as well and of plants and how we all work together as one with the animals, the, the 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 plants um and between you and human beings as well so the big change for me would really come from school and um, my second one will be also as when we are already in adult stage will be the the prison system because the fact that someone has done the crime and then we put in between four walls and if at some point maybe after a few years that person is going to come out how can we expect that person to reintegrate the society in a way which is beneficial for himself or herself and, and the rest of people? For me, mm -hmm. it really doesn't make sense. So yeah. there, there are deep, um, deep transformational issues, which I don't know if issues is the right term, but I would say more deep, transformations which need to happen on different level for us as the society to really evolve in a way where people can feel more themselves enjoy more and really feel safe and loved and and really shine and blossom in in the world because i truly believe that heaven is on earth and it's just up to us to make it become a heaven yes 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 i love that I hear a lot of focus on actually investing time, energy, and resources in our people yes. and actually taking the time to really look at what we're doing educationally and starting from day one and then yes. supporting people 
throughout the entire journey because I could not agree more that when the prison system comes into play, we're not doing those people any service. There is no, or very little, I know of some programs that are slowly making their way in there, but we do very little in terms of preventative and then reintegration into society. So how are they expected to be a contributing citizen when we don't have the resources to put into those people, those human beings? So I really, I really hear that. And I think you as a human being are making so much of that impact and the ripple effect that you have by just sharing so candidly and so openly is going to impact your local community and then that ripple effect is going to be so powerful because your actions and your words speak volume when you are always coming from that space of love and self-reflection first and foremost i think it's really powerful that you are the embodiment of that of staying present with you and constantly coming back to who am i what's important and how am i showing up so i really really appreciate that and i really appreciate you taking the time to share this with this wider community and it's so so great to see you and to hear you and thank you so 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 much for your time thank you so much for having me amanda i really really enjoy your conversation i mm. always love when we can really go deep into all of that uh, it feels so so inviting and so juicy at the same time is because that's really the opportunity to share whatever we can share and whatever we share it might impact people in a different way and that's the beauty of it they can take just whatever they need at that time so thank you so much for inviting me again mm, thank you so much for listening and if there's anything anything at all that you want to explore or you have ideas about and want to get into please please drop me a line you can find us at the self agency advocate on both facebook and instagram and i would absolutely love to chat so let's connect mm-hmm.